And I think the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And so it starts with the truth, which takes courage. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? Mm, wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Hi, Erica. Hey. How, how are we doing this morning? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I see that we're both wearing black. And uh, this has sort of become my like default Zoom top dress thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because everything else I have has a lot of like patterns on it. And, and then I have a lot of like strapless things, which basically look like I'm naked. So, um, yeah, I just kind of wear this dress anytime I need to be on the camera and then I change my clothes. Well, I always like a uniform. Mm-hmm. Save the brain space for something else. <laughs> so Coot Blackson is kind of like a miracle man. I thought his energy was so like amazing and calming and gentle. And I don't know, I liked him. He was very, it's funny. I didn't find him calming well i found him some kind of like reassuring and validating but sort of like he's like he's high energy motivational like inspirational kind of energy that's like like i'm kind of feel like i'm catching the spirit yeah maybe calming is not the right word maybe it's like but yeah encouraging and i it's kind of like l-theanine where i felt like a sense of calm and focus at the same time (laughs) oh did someone say (laughs) l-theanine Uh, yeah, no, he was, he was, um, he's like one of those guys, he says all the things that you kind of already know, but he articulates it in such a way that it like, it feels, it's just really impactful. Um, but I, I really enjoyed his, that conversation. I just want, I kind of want him to be my personal guru, my therapist slash like emotional companion. Yeah. And I can like tap throughout the day and be like, am I being my authentic self right now, Coot? Am I? Is that a lie? Is that the truth? Am I lying to myself? Uh, no, I really like him. But um, anyway, I think uh, people will enjoy what, what he has to say. I think so too. Um, all the books I'm going to read and download. I'm going to listen actually, because I like his voice. So I'm going to just listen to the books instead. You are the one is one of them. Yeah, you are the one. Um, he's got a great accent. So it's also very soothing. Yes. All right. Have a listen. Enjoy. <laughs> Hey guys, so you may have figured out by now that Zoe and I are huge fans of functional mushrooms and that's because their benefits are legit from increasing focus and concentration to helping you sleep and probably most importantly, providing incredible support for your immune system. And yes, that is actual science. You can check it out on our blog at earthandstar.com. But who doesn't need a little bit of extra immune support right now if we're being honest? But anyway, the most important thing for you to know actually is that you have to have these fabulous fungi in your system every day in order to reap the benefits. So Earth and Star 
our new brand is making it as easy as possible for you to get the amazing benefits of functional mushrooms every day. Like if you've got a serious cold brew habit, there's a a can for that. If you love your afternoon matcha latte, then we've got you covered there. And if you're not like G-Love and you're not feeling the cold beverages, then how about a totally delicious dark chocolate bar that also helps you increase focus and concentration while satisfying your sweet tooth. And it pairs super well with red wine. So we at Earth and Star have created as many ways as possible to help you elevate your everyday routine because we are not asking you to add another pill or a powder to your very busy schedule of supplements. We just want it to be as easy and absolutely delicious as possible for you to get some mush love into your life. So check us out at earthandstar.com and get 15% off your first order with the code HTW. All right. Well, officially welcome, Coot Blackson. I'm very excited to have this conversation. We're so happy to have you here. You are uh, the author of two books. Uh, You are the one and the magic of surrender, uh, as well as a speaker and thought leader and transformational. I I mean, people call you a guru. Do you accept that title? (laughs) Not exactly. (laughs) Uh, Transformational teacher, speaker. Perfect. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. We're so happy to have this conversation. Um, I feel like we actually might have manifest this this moment. Uh, <laughs> All right. We manifested it because we needed to to better, you know, manifest. We needed a lesson in manifestation. Or are you in um are you in California for some reason? Yeah, what? I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> All right. How are things on the left side? We're in New York. New York. I was just thinking about New York the other day. Is, is it still cold? Is it warming up? But I love New York. Warming up. Uh, nice, nice. Yeah, I was just, I was just telling someone New York is a beautiful, beautiful place, especially when it's not cold. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've yeah. been waiting a long time for this. Um, so I think some of our listeners may be familiar with your work, and some not. So without going too far into the backstory, because we really want to get into the the exciting stuff but your your backstory is also fascinating um starting from when you were you know started speaking and lecturing at the age of eight so can you give us kind of a a quick rundown of of where you've been and and how you got to where you are yeah i'll do my best like i was born in ghana west africa my father's from ghana my mother's japanese i grew up in london live in la now and partly mexico so i feel like i'm a citizen of the world overall from everywhere and nowhere um, yeah, from a very young age, I always felt this, I was very empathetic. So I always felt people's feelings. And, and there was a part of me that wanted to alleviate people's suffering in some way. I didn't know what that would look like. And, and I grew up in a kind of, I guess at the time it didn't seem strange, but a sort of different environment. Some call it extraordinary, but it just felt very normal for me. Um, it's all I knew. And I think that's one of the blessings because because it felt normal and ordinary, it, I grew up without a sense of limitation. And uh, so my, one of my first memories was literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand, this man walks and wipes on her face and stands up. Um, week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear. The, the type of stuff you see on TV and wonder if it's real. But I saw it 
just around me every day. This man was my father. He was considered like the miracle man of Africa. He would, you know, a person would come in with, in a wheelchair and he would say, hey, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. A person would come in with crutches and he would say, throw your crutches away. And so a lot of miracles happening and didn't think anything of it. Just was like brush your teeth, eat breakfast, miracles happening around. And and that was a blessing in a sense. Um, when I was age eight, I started, my father had 300, built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London, about three to 4,000 people in London, hundreds of thousands of people in Ghana, West Africa. So I was, I was supposed to take over my father's churches. And so age eight, I started speaking, age 14, I was ordained as a minister in my father's church a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation, you know, all of the hopes and dreams of all of these people pinned on me and my father pretty much planned my life out. And I just knew that when it was announced, I knew that wasn't my path. I knew it wasn't for me. I knew that wasn't my my purpose, my trajectory. And it just didn't feel right. I, I just didn't feel like my path was to impact people through religion or a church structure. And I, you know, I was too afraid to, to say anything. And so for four years, I went along with it. Uh, my fear was if I spoke my truth, <clears throat> if I told my father the truth, basically, that I would lose his love, I'd be outcast, I'd be alone, I'd be abandoned. And I think so many of us, we, we end up afraid to be who we really authentically are because we're afraid that we won't be loved anymore. And we, we end up hiding so much of who we are in the world in order to fit in and be normal and be accepted. And so that's what I did. And for four years, uh, a lot of turmoil, a lot of questioning. Um, but I turned 18 and this is where I think life shifted in a, in a radical way for me. Um, I felt this huge calling to come to America. And part of that calling was specific, specifically Los Angeles um, because a lot of the on my father's bookshelf were like hundreds of self-help books. And so I'd read the self-help books, Louise Hay, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, also yeah. Eastern mystics, Osho, Krishnamurti. And this was my obsession. This was my passion. And I wanted to go into the field. I thought, wow, there's a whole new way of being able to inspire people. And it doesn't have to be through the church. And these people are doing it through books and seminars. And so my soul was calling me to come to the U.S. It was pulling me in a direction that I had no clue how to manifest, no clue how it was going to happen. I just felt the alignment, the energy, the, the pull that was so strong and undeniable. And I think sometimes, you know, our soul guides us to do things that we have no idea how we're going to do and doesn't make sense and isn't convenient. Um, so I looked into my future and I saw that I could take this path or follow the expected path that was laid out for me. And when I projected into that path, when I felt into the self-betrayal, like, shit, I'm betraying myself, it was so painful and so real in my heart, like a heartbreak of, wow, I'm betraying myself. And if I start lying to myself now, I'm going to have to lie to myself the rest of my life in order to, to just keep this going. And um, it felt like a soul suicide. And so I knew what I had to do. And long story short, I spoke to my father. <clears throat> left everything behind. Did you say a soul um, suicide? Say that again. Did you say a soul suicide? Yeah, it felt like a soul suicide, <clears throat> literally. Because oh, yeah. uh, I thought you know, age 20, age 30, age 40, and it just felt like I was killing myself if I followed this path. And the thought of that, you know, when you're 18, the rest of your life seems like a hell of a long time. And so 
it was so painful. And uh, with a lot of fear and terror and guilt, and I told my father, no, I can't take over. We didn't speak for two years, which was very difficult. Um, and the longest story short, I ended up winning uh, a green card in the green card lottery. <laughs> Talk about manifestation. Her first manifestation, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I felt like I surrendered and followed my soul, and I was left in this confused, unknown place. And then months later, um, I won a green card in the lottery, the DV1 green card lottery. And that, for me, was a real sign that I was on the right path. It gave me, as a young man, a, a tremendous faith that if you follow your soul, you don't compromise your truth, somehow the universe supports you. And I, and I saw that. Um, manifested in my life and came to America, two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, you know, one, you know, one suitcase full of clothes, one suitcase full of self-help books, literally, and uh, showed up in LA, Venice Beach and began the journey, found many of the mentors and authors and teachers I read about, studied with some of them years later. Um, things really shifted because I traveled, uh, I traveled to Thailand and studied with some monks, traveled to Israel, met some rabbis, ended up in India. And it was in India that I, I felt like something in my core just cracked open and uh, had some really profound experiences there. And uh, out of that, came back to L.A. again and felt so free. I was broke, had no money, had nothing, but I felt such a sense of freedom that I wanted people to experience this. You know, This was maybe 20 years ago. I thought, I want everyone to feel what I feel. And just one by one, I started working with people, kind of coaching my own form of coaching and then just continue to develop my own way of working with people call it uncoaching. And then one person came and the next person came and it just grew and organically evolved. And people started coming from around the world to work with me. And then it just expanded from there. And uh, 20 years later, books and seminars. That's incredible. Um, I think it's interesting too, that you, you, you felt the calling to step away from what was organized religion, but then ended up having all of these incredible, profound experiences with religious leaders around the world. Um, but so I guess my question is not related to that. That was just an observation, but what is, so what is the nature of your work and, and is it, does it follow a specific template or, I mean, you said yourself, you kind of created the, the, the path, but what, yeah. What is the what is the type of work that you that you did at least if you're not? Yeah, I, I, I think when I first began, uh, I just started coaching people in the way you know coaching was very new, and so most of it was accountability, motivational, inspirational, cheerleading, you know, holding people accountable type of coaching. And it was great, but it felt like you were just rearranging the furniture in someone's consciousness, you know, um, telling advice, giving, telling people what to do, um, which doesn't really transform people. And mm -hmm. so what occurred for me was I went through my own, let's say, breakdown where I broke up with my girlfriend, all of my dreams, weren't, I wanted a TV show, my dreams weren't manifesting. And it was out of that breakdown and feeling like a failure and being confused and like having a sort of midlife crisis at the age of, you know, 19, 20 years old, that I sat in a room and I went deep into myself and I began to question all of the, I began to question who I was and, and my motivations and what I was told to be and my belief systems and my stories and my belief structures and everything about myself. 
you know, and I sat in a room for maybe three months and that's what led me to traveling. So it was out of my own breaking down, uh, unraveling, unconditioning that I ended up creating the real way I work with people from my own internal uh, uh, experience. So it became a form of uncoaching, uncoaching, unconditioning, unteaching. For me, I believe that at the core of our being, we're already we're born whole, perfect and complete as children. If you look at a child, a child will stand on the table naked and doesn't care what it looks like. You know, hey, do I look good on Instagram? A child doesn't care. It's just being what it is. A child will sing at the top of his lungs. It doesn't care if it's not, you know, Bruno Mars or Celine Dion or Adele. It's just being its own innate essence, free, whole, perfect, complete. It doesn't really know what's right or wrong. It's as babies, we're totally surrendered. We cry when we feel like it. We, we, we shout when we feel like we poop when we feel like we're just being what we are. We're free. And so for me, the question became, well, what the hell happened? Because when I was at that stage in my life, I sure as hell didn't feel free. I felt full of fears and jealousies and insecurities and, you know, stuff, you know, wounds inside of my own heart, fears of abandonment. And so <clears throat> what I began to feel was as children with these free beings, <clears throat> what happens is we were born into a preset pattern of conditioning. We mean our parents, our parents are just doing the best that they can do based on their upbringing and their childhood and their conditioning. And so we're all born into a preset pattern where there's levels of trauma and dysfunction and maybe dad had mental health issues. Maybe mom was an alcoholic. Maybe they were fighting and there was some level of pain. So children, two things happen. The first thing is we learn as a way of survival to shut down, disconnect, and not feel the pain that's going on around us. And we start suppressing our feelings, suppressing our emotions, all of those unfelt feelings that we suppress in order to just function and survive begin to build up and begins to cover up the true light, our authentic expression, our true freedom, you know? So much of what we truly are gets hidden underneath the layers of unfelt feeling. And we learn all sorts of defense mechanisms to function and survive. Then we learn a way of being in order to, like for me, growing up in the church, I grew up thinking I needed to be the perfect son, the good boy, you know, the responsible one, the caretaker. So we start learning all sorts of ways to develop roles and masks and personas and strategies to get love, validation and approval. We suppress and betray parts of ourselves. We we take on roles and we become who we think we needed we need to be in order to be loved. And so before you know know it, we contort ourselves into a kind of shape avoid the pain and never get hurt again. But we also contort ourselves into a certain shape in order to get love, validation and approval. And so we hold so tightly to this way of being that it becomes who we think we are. And, and, we, and, and the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not truly free. And most of us are living unconsciously inside of the, this pattern of conditioning that we've learned to become in order to function and survive. And so really, the, in a nutshell, the essence of my work is I create experiences, one-on-one, one-on-twenty, one-on-five-hundred. I create experiences that are immersive and experiential in nature that help people become, shall we say, aware of their patterns and their conditioning and the ways in which they're, condi- they're conditioned and the ways in which that conditioning is limiting their freedom. And I help people kind of peel away the layers of conditioning so that they can uh, access the truth of who they are and live that more fully and freely in the world. So it's an unconditioning process that I 
take people through. Yeah. Um, that sounds very intense. You know, it's funny because I have like a certain amount of people in my life, friends, like people that I meet who are so, I'm always so envious of, and who knows if it's authentic or not, but I'm always right. so envious of the people who, when you meet them for the first time, they're just like nothing, there's nothing guarded happening. They just are fully who they are. Like from day one, when you meet them, they just are yeah. showing all parts of themselves. They're not like doing the slow disclosure that typically yeah. people do that. I always do. Um, I'm never like showing up hundred percent, you know, feeling <laughs> every aspect about myself. Cause it's like, yeah, everybody has usually this guard that you slowly take down, you know, layer by layer, the more you get to know someone, but like, how do those people do it? I'm always so, I mean, what is the, like, how do you know if you are sort of operating on this level of like not being your authentic self? I mean, I think there, oh, yeah. there are plenty of people who are walking around thinking, of course, this yeah. is going like, how would I, how would I know otherwise? Right. You know, I, I think it, it, what you said is right. Most of the time we think that who we are is who we really are. We think that you often hear people say, no, this is just me. I'm just this way. I'm just, but the question is, are we really, you know, are we really? And so I think many times uh, one way, okay, a couple of ways that you might know that, some, that, that there might be some layers of conditioning that are limiting you. Um, you will often feel some level of pain in your life. And that pain may not always be obvious. The pain might manifest as a uh, emotional sadness, an emotional pain, as in maybe let's say depression or some ongoing anger, resentment. There's just some pain that is consistently present inside of you. So there's pain on the emotional level. The pain will sometimes manifest as a physical ailment where the pain that you're not consciously acknowledging, like, yeah, I'm in pain, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling something. Uh, yeah will manifest, let's say, in a backache, a shoulder, some physical ailment that is trying to communicate to you that you're not paying attention to something else. Uh, sometimes uh, that pain will manifest as an ongoing, let's say, disease that manifests in your body as another way that your unconscious is communicating, hey, pay attention to something you're not acknowledging inside. And so I think pain is is one of the ways that we can see that we're not acknowledging something that we're not telling ourselves the truth in some way. Uh, and so pain is a, I think pain is a gift. Pain is a friend. Pain is a messenger. The challenge is in our culture, we've been conditioned from childhood for the reasons I've shared, but also society and media. You, know, you never see on TV, like a commercial, hey, you feel pain? You feel sad? Just, just feel it. Just be with it. You know, nothing lasts forever. We're always told, you feel pain? Well, pop this pill, get rid of it. You feel pain? Buy this thing and it will go away. And it really doesn't. And so we're constantly having to hold shit together and hold ourselves together in order to not feel the pain that we've learned to suppress. And so I think pain or consistent pain on some level is a messenger pointing and showing us something we're not paying attention to. And so I think if we're willing to acknowledge the pain, really just acknowledge the pain and feel the pain and provide a, you know, provide ourselves the time and the space to feel the pain. So much of the pain that we've learned to suppress that we end up living so much of our lives. It's like living in a, uh, uh, an ocean or a pool where we're holding a beach ball underneath and we're having to put all so much energy in holding this beach ball underneath that it's exhausting. 
you know? Yeah. And, and I think many, many times we end up feeling exhausted and we, we don't know why, why do I feel exhausted? Why do I feel pain? Why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel like Am I always sick or whatever? Yeah, it is. why am I always, exactly. And so I think one of the places people can just even just, just start is I think one of the things that keeps us stuck are all the ways that we lie to ourselves, the way that we don't tell the truth to ourselves. We stay in relationships that aren't aligned, that aren't right, where we're no longer in love. We work jobs that we that maybe compromise our integrity, that we don't feel good in, where we don't get to express our truth, our essence, or we even hate uh, out of security and survival. And so I think one place where we can maybe begin the practice of becoming conscious is just starting by asking ourselves a few questions. One of the one of those is, what lies am I telling myself? You know, and just being with the truth. I think if there is no transformation without truth, and if we can, if we're willing to just start with, okay, well, what lies am I telling myself? And just begin the process of acknowledging that, that can start shifting a lot. To me, truth is real. Truth is real therapy. Truth is real spiritual practice. Truth is real yoga. Truth is real meditation. And so I think transforming our lives is simple, but not always easy because of the patterns of conditioning. And it just requires that we acknowledge the truth, feel the truth, tell the truth, you know, express the truth, happy life, but it's not always that easy. And so if we could just start with, okay, what lies am I telling myself and just own it? Own it fully, be with it fully. And, and what might help is if we're willing to take the pressure off of ourselves from even having to take action, because sometimes the fear of the consequence of telling ourselves the truth okay. keeps us stuck and keeps us in denial, keeps yeah. us in denial. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm confused. I don't really know what I'm feeling. I don't really know if this person's right for me. I don't really know what my purpose is. Deep down, we know. Usually there is a part of us that knows at that deepest level, we have a knowing, but the fear of the consequence can sometimes uh, create a defense mechanism of confusion inside of ourselves. Like, I don't know, but, but we know. And, and so uh, just to take the pressure off of yourself of having to take action, and, and that might look like, okay, if I don't have to take action, then I can acknowledge I'm no longer in love. I'm not in love with this person. I haven't been in love with them for two years, three years, however long it is. And just sit with that. Just feel that. You don't have to break up. You don't have to do anything, but just feel that. That, that The truth begins a process inside. Or I hate my job. Freaking hate my job. Let me just, I don't have to leave. Let me just feel that. Let me just be with that. What, what is the truth of what I feel and who I am? You know, and the, then the willingness to then sit with, well, what is the cost of lying to myself? In other words, sitting with the pain and being willing to just sit with the pain of that self-betrayal, sit with the pain of the lies we tell ourselves, because it's when we deny the cost and the pain that allows us to just continue for years and years and years living, not aligned, living a lie, so to speak. And many times we don't even know that we're lying because we're so conditioned. And I think the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And so it starts with the truth, which takes courage. Well, it's terrifying, right? I mean, I know. Yeah. It's just like, it's all the stuff we know, but it's just to hear it so <clears throat> plainly and so specifically. Like, yeah, I think that's so important. Um, just the idea of taking the pressure off of yourself to have the yes. answer. Because I think that is such a huge... 
Um, I mean, for just for me personally, like I will definitely avoid things because I am terrified of like, you know, facing the reality and then knowing that once I see something clearly, I can't unsee it. Like I would have to take some yes. kind of action, right? Yeah. Because after yeah. that, you know, what do you do? So you just, you sit with it and you feel the feeling, but what do you do after you've moved through the feeling? Then you're going to still have to take action at some point, right? Yeah. Um, so, so it's it's not immediate, but like you know, the it, idea- it starts. Yeah, it starts and like it marinates you. You know, just acknowledging the truth, as you said, yeah. you can't unsee it. So even if you don't take action immediately, it starts a process inside. Like yeah. for me, in my teens with my father, it took me four years to be able to take action. You know, but but as I acknowledge, like shit, like, this is not this is not aligned. This is not real. This is not my truth. This yeah. I'm not meant to take over. I knew that at 14, but it took me four years to really muster the courage to take action. And so, I think just acknowledging the truth can begin a process. That alone isn't enough, but it can begin a process. I think sadly, many of us, out of fear, we end up living a lie for most of our lives. And then it's too late. And then on our deathbed, we feel the pain of the regret of the lies that we've lived our entire life. And I think nothing is as painful as that. And so even if we think, okay, I'm not gonna deal with this. I don't I don't wanna deal with this. I don't wanna know. I mean, then I don't, it, you will have to deal with it. In other words, you will, you will have to deal with the lies that you're telling, the lies that you're, the truth that you're not acknowledging in, the limitation or the pain of the life that you end up living. Right. So different consequence. Right? Different consequence. Yeah. Different so consequence. you're either going to, I mean, a classic example is like the person who's married, but they stay in a relationship that's horrible for the sake of the children or whatever, like financial constraints. I mean, marriage is just like the perfect yeah. like example of, of why we stay in like bad relationships when obviously we know sometimes very obviously that we shouldn't. Right. I mean, yeah. Because then you're 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 destabilizing a family unit. You're potentially disrupting children or scarring or traumatizing them or whatever. Maybe there's a financial piece to it where you're just financially dependent on uh, upon that other person. Um, I guess it's just sort of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a it's a tricky thing to kind of coach someone or help someone see that. Um, or give them the courage to kind of take action when stakes are so high. Well, and I, I would add to that. I mean, cause I think what you're suggesting is actually not necessarily taking action or not necessarily taking action right away and really sitting with it, as you said, and, um, not focusing on outcomes, which I know you talk a lot about is about outcomes mm -hmm. and moving away from them. But uh, the question that, that, I, that ties into what Zoe's saying is like, how do you also know, I mean, you acknowledge the lie that you're telling yourself, but then how do and, you actually know which truth to trust? Like if you kind of destabilize yourself to the extent that you realize, okay, this is a story I've been telling myself and something feels out of alignment. So I'm going to try to move towards something that feels more aligned. But like, how do you know what you can trust when you've been in this state of conditioning for so long? 
Right. Mm-hmm. I think, I think self-sabotage behavior and maybe it's some form of escapism, right? <laughs> maybe you're not right. Right. <laughs> like, you need to like tr- turn the channel or change, you know, turn, turn the page, but not necessarily completely destabilize my entire world. Like how, how do you know what, what are those signs? Yeah. I, I think that that's why I say you don't have to take action immediately. I think if you sit with it and just be with it and, and, and that begins a process inside where you can then in that time, begin question yourself, questioning yourself so, you, so you're not just acting out of some emotionality. And I think you can begin questioning yourself and looking at, okay, in this situation, let's say in a relationship, okay, in a relationship situation, what are the lessons here? What is there for me to learn? What, what, what is my soul seeking to learn? What is this person reflecting to me about myself? What's in this for me? And I think in that situation, before you leave, before you make a decision, I think if you're able to really look at the lessons that are there for you, really look at what there is for you to learn, really look at what the opportunity of healing is within yourself to resolve, then I think as you work on that within yourself, then you can come to a place of even deeper clarity to be able to, let's say, move on. Because if you just move on, it's like, I'm just leaving, then if you don't really resolve the lessons and the patterns within yourself, you will tend to just attract another version of the experience in another dynamic, in in another situation, in another relationship. And so just that time can give you the opportunity to also process through some of the feelings that we've learned to suppress, process through some of the layers of, it could be anger, it could be grief, could be pain, could be resentment. As we process through and feel those and start letting some of those uh, feelings go, then I think we start getting to a deeper level of clarity as to what we really feel. And I think that that's really important because if we're just deciding when there's so much unprocessed stuff, sometimes then the decisions can be a little clouded. But when we take the time to just, okay, maybe there's some grief here. Let me feel the grief. Let me feel what I'm feeling. Maybe there's anger towards ourselves. So let me, let me just acknowledge that, feel that, process that, let, let that. See, all feelings remain present until fully felt. And so when we really give ourselves the time to just feel our feelings in a conscious and intentional and healthy way, it begins to dissolve. And then more of the truth that is always there, is already there, is always there, can become more apparent. I think there's many moments, maybe you've had this experience where perhaps you were confused, you weren't sure, okay, this relationship isn't right, should I stay, should I go? Maybe the stakes weren't high. Maybe you were single. You, should I stay? Should I go? Is this the one? And then maybe you were confused for a year or two. But then I remember there was a moment when I left the relationship with this amazing woman. Should I stay? Should I, I left after a year of going back and forth. The moment I left, the moment I left, I turned to my best friend and I said, I knew that was never going to work. I knew. I, I, and I knew, to be honest, I knew the moment. And she said, when did you know? I said, I knew the moment I met this person in the parking lot. Yeah. There's, there's, a part, there's a part of us that knows. There's a, and it's often a very subtle part of us. It's that deeper part of us that has a sense, that has an inkling. But often there's so many layers of conditioning and, 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 and confusion and feelings that can prevent that deeper knowing. So, I mean, I could go down this rabbit hole for a long time, but I want to move on to a different topic because I think um, from the work that I've been doing in this area as well, again, I really do feel like it's exciting to just, you know, be in the moment with this because it does feel like it's kind of everywhere right now is people talking about 
getting into alignment and tapping into, you know, what your truth is and how it sets you free. But the idea here is that once you are kind of aligned with yourself is when you become open to kind of manifestation, right? Is that, is that mm. the, the argument here? And I mean, mm-hmm. how, how does, how does that, how does that work? And like, really, how does it work? Like, how do we, yeah. how does manifestation work? <laughs> how does, yeah. I mean, I think to me, the way I see it is, is, you don't manifest just what you want or what you think about or what you hope or what you wish for. I think eventually you manifest more what you are within yourself. And how I see it is life is a mirror. Life tends to mirror to you who you are and what you consistently hold inside of yourself Life tends to mirror to you. Like if you want to see what's really going on in your unconscious and what you really believe, don't look at your goal list, look at your life. Because life will tend to show you what's going on inside. And so you are in relationship with yourself in the experiences and the people and the situations and the stuff that manifests in your life. So life is a feedback mechanism for your own self, for your own consciousness, your own relationship with yourself. And so what we tend to do, a lot of manifestation uh, uh, teachings tend to focus on different techniques to change and manipulate and fix what's out here, manifested from this, manifested from that, manifested from parking spot, manifested from car. But I think the real secret to manifestation is shifting your own self shifting your own consciousness. Because when you do shift that, then your vibration shifts as you let go of the pain, the hurt, the anger, the, the guilt, as you forgive yourself, forgive your parents, you know, you do that inner work. Uh, as you come into alignment with your soul, with your truth, your vibration shifts, you get more aligned. And as a result of that, then naturally your, your vibration, your frequency, your resonance shifts, naturally you become more uh, magnetically uh, attractive to experiences that are resonating in alignment with what you are. And so I just like to say, you, you, you will tend to manifest and attract consistently what you are, not what you, not what you want. You know? right. And so I think the, the, quickest, yeah, the quickest way to shift and manifest is to let go of what's not aligned, to let go of what's no longer vibrational match, to let go of what you don't want because that shifts your energy, brings you into alignment, creates the space to attract more of what you do want in your life. So that's kind of a step one. Right. The idea around this like law of attraction is that the more you focus on what you don't want, the more it kind of draws to you because you're still focusing on it as opposed to using this language of, you know, it's not even about what you do want. It's sort of living as though you already have what you want because that in essence is shifting your vibration to a place where it's no longer about lack, but about what you're already sort of living. Is that, do I have that right? (laughs) Yeah. But you know, the the challenge is, I think if, if, and again, a a lot of people, they don't do the mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual work. And if, unless, and and because we don't necessarily heal ourselves or or really resolve some of the issues inside, um, a lot of people will do great meditations and focus on what they do want. But if I'm still carrying a lot of pain, a lot of inadequacy, a lot of hurt, a lot of shame, a lot of what have unresolved stuff, that energy, that energy is an uh, is a vibration. That energy is uh, a frequency. 
And that is what we will tend to manifest in our life is what I've seen. You know, that will be the tendency. And so rather than just focusing on, okay, I want that car. I want that house. I want that thing. I'm going to focus on that. But inside of myself, I'm feeling unworthy. Inside of myself, I feel inadequate. Inside of myself, I feel like unlovable. I feel like insecure. And so if I can get that car, that house, that thing, that body, that fame, win that Oscar, then I'm going to be enough. And that's why I want to manifest it. But deep down inside, energetically, I don't feel like I'm enough. So you might go out into the world, so to go manifest that. But if you're deep down not feeling whole, complete, Mm -hmm. enough, you will tend to, this is what I've seen, you will tend to find ways to sabotage that success, even if you manifested it for a moment. And the manifestation won't necessarily be sustained in the long run. Yeah. And, and, and so, and that's why to me, manifestation is not a process of addition. It's a process of sub- subtraction and letting go because yeah. at the depth of our being, what we are, we, we're, we're whole, perfect and complete. And I think the more we can get in touch with that and realize that and awaken to that and connect to that wholeness and come from that place, manifestation starts happening in amazing ways. You know, yeah. I think, Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I think one, 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 like I'll give a little practical secret for manifestation too, just for those that might want to like a thing. Um, many times, if you think about, this will accelerate people's manifestation. And what I said is do your mental, emotional work, that's one, uh, and clear away the blockages that prevent you, that are in the way of manifesting what you really want. Uh, Number two, I would say, if you think about what you're wanting to manifest, many times what you want to manifest, the thing you want to manifest is not simply the thing you want to manifest. In the thing you want to manifest, there is a feeling that you're seeking. Mm -hmm. There is a feeling that you're seeking. Like if I can manifest that Lamborghini, if I can manifest that $10 million, if I can manifest that, then I'm going to feel a certain way. If I said, okay, you're going to manifest that Lamborghini and that big house and that thing, and you're going to feel like shit, would you want to manifest it? The answer was hell no, right? But there's a feeling. And so if we can first get in touch with what is the feeling that I'm going for, the feeling that I, I think I'm going to, to feel when I manifest and start cultivating, and rather than waiting until it shows up, start cultivating ways right now, exactly as you are, to, to access that feeling. Mm-hmm. Start finding ways to sort of access that that freedom, that joy, that happiness, that, you know, gratitude right now within yourself, then also that makes you much more, uh, then you're no longer waiting for that manifestation to show up in order to feel that you're feeling that now. And that also moves you into a vibration where you energetically become more, let's say, attractive, law of attraction, attractive to, to that experience, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's so, it's so clear when I think about like my own relationships with, you know, people, friends, um, boyfriends, husbands. I mean, it's just sort of like this um, very natural human tendency, right? Like you're not going to be attracted to someone who is clearly like dealing with a ton of insecurity and it's super negative And that's kind of like oozing out of every pore. I mean, you, you not consciously, not consciously. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes unconsciously. Oh God. All right. Let's unpack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, not conscious. I mean, none of us are consciously saying, "Yeah, I want a guy who's, you know, he's insecure. He has he's got issues with his mom. He's, you know, he's got fears. He's je-. none of us are saying that. 
you know, yeah. but, but yeah, we find them in our lives. But, but somehow we resonate and we attract to them. And why do we, and again, not to go way out there, but we tend to resonate and attract to certain people where we feel that we meet someone like, oh, I feel a connection. I feel the chemistry. I feel, I feel like I know them. I feel like, I feel, I feel like they're my soulmate. I'm, they're the one, you know, and many times unconsciously we will tend to be attracted to people that are resonating on a similar vibratory frequency in, uh, in the energy system, in the nervous system, that, that there is an unconscious impulse inside of us to heal what's not healed inside of ourselves. And so we will tend to attract people inside of it, to us in relationship that resonate with a similar vibration and energy that will often feel like some of the unresolved patterns from our own childhood. And so if we look at it this way, from childhood, everything, every single thing that happened to us is stored in our nervous system. You know, dad wasn't there. So love started feeling like, you know, uh, uh, removed and not present and unavailable. Mom wasn't emotionally available. So love felt unavailable. Dad was maybe abusive. So love kind of felt a little abusive and mean. And, and, yet, and so now we have this association with love in a certain way connected to these things. And so now that gets patterned inside of us, patterned in, inside of our nervous system, yeah? And mm -hmm. the nervous system is the antenna to the wall. The nervous system, information comes in, the nervous system then interprets that information, and we now create a certain reality based on the, the, the interpretation that is filtered through our nervous system. And so now, if that's how we're associating love inside of us, now you go out into the world, you meet someone, and all of a sudden you meet someone, it's like, I feel like I know you. You feel kind of, mm. feel, feel so close to you. Feel such a connection. I feel like so at home with you. I, feel, I think I'm in love with you. I feel like you're the one for me. Like, wow, we fit together. And, and, and we think it's attraction. We think it's like chemistry. But, I, but it's sometimes the shittistry, the, the unconscious, you know, uh, if, if that the reason that sometimes we're attracted to that person, why we feel so connected and familiar is their unresolved issues kind of resonates and fits with our unresolved issues. And now we, we gravitate towards each other because it's like, oh yeah, they remind us energetically on some level of our dad, right? Or of our mom. And that's why we get pulled to them. And that's why I say, if we don't deal with our shit, if we don't deal with our own unresolved shit, we're energetically going to be unconsciously uh, uh, compelled and pulled to that energy that is not complete within us in the form of the other person. Mm -hmm. God, you articulated that so well. Does yeah. that make sense? I mean, I'm just I'm trying like, to simplify it. And and like, no, no, I don't. And then you, then, then we'll tell us, I've done this too. You tell your friend, no, let's say for you, it's, uh, no, he's different. Or, or I'll say, no, she's different. She's different from the other. She's and then you get into the relationship and sure enough, three months later, Exactly the freaking same energy, the freaking same pattern as your dad, as your mom. It's like, how the hell did I attract the very thing I didn't want to attract? I wrote on my journal exactly what I don't want, exactly what I didn't want. And I, and I know exactly the type of person to not be with, but I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't help myself because the unresolved energy, the unresolved wounds, the unresolved patterns that we haven't dealt with, compels us and pulls us into the other person. That's why dealing with our stuff is so important.
That's uh, what. Other, otherwise, we won't be able to help it. Even if we, we we know, like, how many times have you known better? You're like, I know better than this, but I just can't help myself. Yeah. It's because of the unresolved feelings, emotions, patterning that we haven't yeah. resolved, that we haven't felt, that we haven't worked through, that we haven't healed, that we haven't loved. You know, all of those things that pulls us. So that's why I say the, we will tend to attract what we are not just what we want. Because as many times I've been in a relationship and I've wanted something different and I've wanted someone different and what, what I've ended up attracting was my unresolved shit. It's like an opportunity to work out my unresolved stuff, you know? I love that. Uh, all right, you dropped some good gems here, like the, uh, <laughs> the shittestry. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> it's so true though and we think we're all I feel like a lot of people are aware of that right like oh you're going to marry your like some version of the, your the parent that was sort of unfavored for whatever you know whatever reason um we all know that I feel like that's pretty common knowledge on some level right like you end up marrying your mom but the way that you just described it as like confusing the sort of recognition of that, that energy as for love or chemistry. Yes. Um, yes. And really what you're falling in love with or sort of being tricked by is the familiarity. The familiarity. Um, yep. Yeah. That's so- and, and, and often trying, I mean, and often trying to get n- the needs met through the other person that weren't met um, when we were growing yeah. up. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's what I'm um, fin- unfinished business. And so that's why, that's why I can't stress when we, when we clear, when we heal and clear and shift ourselves, what starts happening is we begin to shift our vibration. We heal those wounds through doing the inner work. We shift our vibration. We also begin to, for lack of better words, start clearing our nervous system. Then what you start finding is your taste buds change. And, 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 and what you start being attracted, two things happen. What you start being attracted to as your type starts shifting because you've shifted. And, and so your type starts shifting. So you're no longer overly attached to a certain kind of experience, but also because you're now freer inside of your own conditioning, you can see someone that shows up and rather than being sucked in, you're able to step back and look at it a bit more and go, I'm really attracted. I'm really, I'm re-, but, but, you know, there can be a bit more space rather than sort of being pulled in like a magnet. And I think that's part of the freedom that can occur. So even if you are feeling that energetic pull, you, you have much more space to discern, to choose, to be conscious, because many times in that moment, we go into a trance and we're not conscious. So that ability to just step back and go, I'm attracted, but I can feel this pattern. And so let me choose something different. I think mm-hmm. that's the freedom that opens up. So how do we access that? For, so, what, so you talk about, you know, this sort of idea of letting go leads to having more. So how do you... Okay, surrender. That's the yeah, theme of surrender. Yeah. Can you unpa- can you talk a little bit about that? Um, about surrender. <laughs> what yeah. What does it lead more of what? what? What is the more part? I think surrender. Yeah. I think I should explain maybe what I mean by surrender, because I think uh, in our culture today, we have this idea 
or misconception that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is giving up, that if surrender you're going to be abused, you're going to be a victim, you're going to be a doormat, that you won't that you won't manifest what you want in life, that you're going to get less. And I'm actually saying that in true authentic surrender, like what if you didn't get less? What if you got more than you could imagine? What if you got more than you could have imagined with your conscious will, ego's intention? More, more of what? I, I can't say what that's going to be. Let's. It may not be what you expect, but more, more joy, more, more, like, like, what if life worked out better than you can imagine? If you looked at, if we look at all of the best things that happened in our life, how often did we plan it? How often did we sit there and plan it to a T? Most of it just kind of happened. You know, meeting the love of your life, meeting one's husband, meeting one's wife. It just sort of happened in the process of living. And so I think, I think surrender, real surrender is to let go of control or the illusion of trying to control everything. You know, the ego wants to control everything, this ego conditioned version of ourselves that we become. The ego's job is to reinforce its existence. And one of the ways it does that is to control. The ego's job is to make sure we don't get hurt again like we were hurt in childhood. And so one of the ways it does that is if I can control everything, I'll never get hurt like I did when I was five. And so now we go through life holding on to a certain way of being to avoid that pain again. And so surrender is letting go of control or the control that we think we have, because I think control is really a master addiction. Surrender is to stop trying to force life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be. Uh, surrender is giving up the idea of how we think our life should be, who we think we should be, so that we can, we can allow, it's an allowing, we can allow life to show us, allow life to unfold in the authentic way that it needs to unfold, which from the limited lens of the ego that tries to micromanage and control everything, we're not able to, the perspective is very limited. We're not able to see the, the 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 sort of infinite different possibilities of a situation, of a relationship. We just want what we want when we want it. Like it's got to be this person, it's got to be this outcome, it's got to be this. And and we don't even realize many times that in that attachment, we are limiting life. We are limiting the possibilities. We're limiting ourselves. So surrender is taking the limitations off of life. Surrender is being available, is being open. It's letting go, let, letting go of what's no longer aligned, what's no longer authentic. Many times people come to me and say, cool, I want to manifest my soulmate. I want to manifest my soulmate. I want to manifest love in my life. But they're still in a toxic relationship with someone and they're waiting until that person shows up in order for them to let go of what they have. It doesn't work that way. You know, the next level of our life requires the next level of us. The next level of us requires that we let go of what's no longer aligned. But often out of fear and ego, we tend to hold on to what's not aligned, and, and we don't realize that holding on is blocking our blessing. And so letting go leads to more. Letting, when we let go, we create the space. When we let go of what's not aligned, the people, the situations, the stuff that's cluttering up energetically our life, we create the space for new vibration, new energy, new possibilities to show up in our life. And so, you know, the reason I call the book The Magic of Surrender is... When I say magic, magic is that which is beyond what we can conceive and imagine. 
right? Ego is only able to imagine like, well, maybe I would want this. Sometimes the goals that we think we want is not what we really want. It's just what we think we want from the limited lens of our ego. It's just what we think we want based on who we think we are. And many times our goals are projections. Like I want, as I said earlier, projections of unmet needs from childhood. If I can get that thing, then I'm going to be, it, it's not fulfilling. In that, even when we achieve that thing, it's still not fulfilling. And so surrender is the availability. And the reason I say magic, magic is that which is beyond what we can imagine. We all want magic. I haven't spoken to a person that said they're not open to magic, you know, like, like beyond your wildest dreams. What's beyond your wildest dreams? I don't know what's beyond my wildest dreams. Exactly. It's, it's supposed to be beyond. And so everyone says they want more magic, more beyond the wildest dreams possibilities, but very few of us want to let go, very few of us want to surrender. And surrender is the password to freedom. That's really what I want people to get that. When you truly surrender, it's not giving up. It's a tapping in, like all of the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Mandela, they all surrendered themselves in some way, shape or form. Like him, Elon Musk, I think the dude surrendered. You know, took $200 million in PayPal money that he had, started calling, invested it all. That's a version of surrender. I don't think I would take all my money and invest it because of what I felt called to do. Love him or hate him, that's a different question. But that's a version of surrender. To me, surrender is aligning yourself with the deepest truth, the deepest impulse, the deepest truth that is seeking to express through you. And then acting on that. So it doesn't mean doing nothing. It doesn't mean sitting there and, you know, waiting for the universe to show up. It means feeling what, what is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to express and aligning yourself with that and taking action based on that. Right. No one's going to show up to save you, right? No one's yeah. going to show up to like, hold on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Might show up to save us, but that's about it. What's that? Said Coot might show up to save. Ah, I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> I show up to ask some questions, you know, and, and yeah. shake people up a bit. <laughs> no, it's good. It's powerful stuff. Um, Erica and I are going to do some trust falls after this. Yeah, there you go. If we if we look at like if we look if we look at when things didn't work out, if this just, when did things not work out in your life, and think about how they worked out better than you could imagine. Yeah. So many times. Like, okay. shit, I couldn't have even planned that. I mean, I don't know how you two met, but did you two plan to meet? No, you know, no. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just, very, it, yes. I mean, we, it never, just, we never expected we would work together for the better part of 15 years. That's for sure. It just happened. And I think the best things in life happen when we're, when we're moving in a direction. And, and so, and even if we look at the worst things that seem to happen in our life in a particular moment, it's only the worst thing from the perspective of our ego in that moment. But often in retrospect, many things have happened to me that I thought were the worst things. I step back five years, 10 years later and I go, wow, if I didn't lose that thing, if that thing didn't happen, if that breakup didn't happen, I wouldn't have gone here and that wouldn't have happened and then I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. And, and so we often can't judge what we think is, of as good or bad for us in a particular moment because in the moment, from the perspective of the ego, it looks bad. But from a whole other perspective of the soul and possibilities, it's amazing. We just can't see it right now. And so I think part of surrender is just being open, being available, being curious to allowing life to show us, allowing life to lead us. 
Oh. Musk had a moment where he was like, what, what is the purpose of my life? And it was, I mean, it's just, can you imagine? <laughs> you know, like, like I know who my authentic self is. I know how to figure out my life's purpose. Um, let me take my $200 million. That's a great example. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's a, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. Um, are you married? Not married, but in relationship. Yeah. That's a whole nother. If we had more time, I'd tell you. The story I know. How, I feel how, like we, need to have, we already need to have a I part two. Yeah, I know. Because I'm. I, yeah, I want to. There's some other things. Will you come um, back? Yeah, up? anytime you want. I, I, I'll come back. You name the time. I'll be here. Okay. Um, you know what we should do is collect some. Um, just get some some questions from the uh, listeners, and maybe we could have a sure Q and yeah. yeah, tease out yeah. a part two. You can answer those. Any, anytime. Anytime. That would be wonderful. Or we could do an IG live too. We'd love to do that. Um, well, thank you so, so much. You've been so generous with your time already. I know we've run over a bit. Um, I'm so excited to dig into both of these books like immediately. Um, you are the one and the magic of surrender. And um, where, where else, where, where, where should we send people to find you to, to your yeah. website? Yeah, people can go to uh, two places, maybe coopblackson.com. Uh, my main website, they can find out stuff there. Twice a year, I do an event in Bali. That's www.boundlessblissbali.com. And also, yeah, Instagram, Facebook. We're going to come to Bali. I want to go to Boundless Bliss Bali. It's a deep dive. Deep dive. 16, 18 hours a day. It's life changing. I'm ready. I'm ready. 16 hours a day? Yeah. It's I'm ready. 12 days in a row. Can you surrender to a martini at the end of the day? I'm not sure about that, but... <laughs> Oh, I'm kidding. No, you're not. Um, okay, well, thank you so much. It's been thank such you, an absolute pleasure and honor talking with you. Appreciate thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our daily blend blog to see what we're drinking. <laughs>